Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. Praise the Lord. Let's be seated. God is good. Um, I was sharing this morning as we were getting ready for service, I was sharing with the leaders um, a vision that the Lord gave to me. And it was a vision of us in a tent. This is not like the tent of the angels. This is more like a, a round tent. And it's so huge, you almost can't see the walls of it. And as we were in the tent, we were singing. And suddenly, a group of people were coming in, and then we stopped singing. As soon as they walked in, then we started singing another song. And they looked a little suspicious. Something didn't seem right. Like, it doesn't seem like this was the song they were singing before we came in. And the Lord said to me that that is exactly what would happen if you don't begin now to preach and teach and exercise in the things that would help the ones coming afterwards to grow. You know, the Lord said to us that the wind is coming upon the earth and that wind is already here. That will wake up a number of our brothers and sisters who are still asleep in the world. Who are still lost in the deceptiveness of sin. Who are still given to the great deception that is in the world. And when they wake up and they come, we need to be ready to be able to nurture them and help to resuscitate them. You see, because the Lord will revive them. The Lord will give them life. But when the Lord gives life by his Holy Spirit, he expects you and I to actually bring restoration. Look at the people Jesus raised up in the Bible. When he raised up the little girl, what did he say? He said, give her something to eat. I have done my part. I have done what you cannot do, which is to give her life. But now you do what you can. Give her sustenance. Give them restoration. And the same thing happened again and again when Jesus raises somebody from the dead. Even when the prophet of God, Elisha, raised up the widow's son, what did he do? He said, give him food, feed him. The Lord has done his bit. You do yours. You see what I mean? And so we know that God is going to raise them up by the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And then the onus is on us to prepare to feed them. And the Lord said to me, we need to start to prepare. We need to start to practice such things as we would serve when they come. So that when they come, it's not going to be as if we suddenly just changed the tone. And one of the things that the Lord put on my heart immediately that I want to begin with today is what does it really mean to be born again? Because there are many people that we know today who are Christians who are not born again. And they are some of the most difficult people to witness to. Simply because they were born a Christian. They were born into that religion. They were raised up studying scripture, going to church. They speak Christianese. Even better than some of us. You see, whatever you say, they have a God perspective on those things, which is not necessarily a truth perspective, but it is just a religious perspective. And one of such examples that we see in scripture is a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was raised in the things of the law. He had studied the Torah. He was a Pharisee. He was somebody who, I'm sure by the time he was 12 years of age, he had read and memorized most of the Torah. Because as a Pharisee, you were supposed to be like a walking scripture. Whatever it is that anybody says, you need to be able to point them to one of those many laws of Moses. And so this guy came to Jesus by night. And his question was, what must I do to be saved? And it was almost as if he was asking the Lord Jesus that, look, 
For people like me, do we still have to do anything? You know, we have known the law, we have kept the law, and we preach and practice the law. In fact, we are the polices of the law. We are the ones who go around in the street corners and looking for people whose garments are not as long as they should be, whose heads are not as covered as they should be. We are the ones who weigh the tithes and the offerings on the scale to see who is robbing God and who isn't. We are the ones who fast and, and we make it known to everybody that we're fasting that perhaps we might encourage somebody to do so. We have kept the law. So is there anything else? And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said to him, first of all, you must begin again. He said to him, you must be born again. You see, to be born again means to be ready and willing to start from the beginning. To be a child again, to learn the rudiments of the kingdom, to say no to the world and forget the practices of the world. Like Apostle Paul, when he got born again, his name used to be Saul. And Saul means the desirable one. He was very desired in the community. He was a celebrity of sort. But when he became born again, he changed his name to Paul, which means little. He admitted that he was a babe once again. And he was ready to, to be weaned from the breast. He was ready to start with the milk. He was ready to start to learn from the least and the lowliest of brothers around him. To the extent that he would even listen to someone like Ananias, who no one had ever heard before. Neither did anyone really hear about him afterwards. Let me tell you what is going on in the world. We see celebrities in our world today who have attained celebrity status and then when they become born again, you don't see them going down to the very beginning to start again. They just want to continue at that level. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter how much they have convinced the world or fooled your friends, they are not born again. We can start naming names of people who are, who are rap, rap, rappers, who are, who are pop singers, who are politicians, who are movie stars. And they say they're born again and you never see that time of going away. When people get born again in scriptures, they first of all withdraw from all of that which they have attained in the world. Paul said, he says, the things that I've attained in the world, though to me then they were the it. He said, but now I count them all as dung. You know what Paul did? Because he didn't want anybody to continue to treat him as a celebrity. He disappeared to the tents of Arabia for three years. So that by the time he came back, he was a nobody and he started from the beginning. Let me tell you something. We have many people in the world today who say now, oh, they're born again. And then the next thing you see is they're still on the same record labels that they were. They're still hanging out with the same celebrities in Hollywood. They're still singing at the same concerts. They do not let go of anything. So exactly how has that person become a babe again? But you know what? Our generation is a generation of seekers of pleasure. The Bible says in the last days men will become lovers of pleasure, lovers of themselves, lovers of their money more than they are lovers of God. And by so doing they will heap for themselves teachers who will say the things that they want to hear, things that tickle their fancies. And so we just want to hear a celebrity get saved. If I one day a friend of mine who has one of those apostle titles, he calls himself an apostle. He calls himself an apostle. If you call him by his name. If I remember someday, one, somebody at communion house called him by his name. And he came to me afterwards. He said, you need to warn Brother Lawrence. <laughs> Is he the only one in trouble now? Because he's probably watching this broadcast. He's coming to get me. He says, you need to warn him 
He was so angry that he was shaken. That he called him by his first name. I was so shocked. He was like, are you still there? Oh, yeah, he corrected. Yeah. So you already know. So he calls himself an apostle. And yet he said to me, oh, this other guy, he's now born again. He said he was celebrating this celebrity that he's born again and telling everybody to go to his concerts. Because now we, we need more people like this to be born again because the gospel needs people like that to carry the banner. Because young, the young generation are no longer listening to us. But if that celebrity and his friends get born again, there will be a big revival. And I'm thinking to myself, exactly how ignorant can the person be of the things of God? Particularly one with a title. Or maybe especially one with a title. Simply because none of what he said is founded in scripture. But because he has memorized the way of speaking, he has learned how to do the hoops. He's learned how to do the, oh, the Lord is saying to you. It is not how you say it. It is what you are saying. But because men have become lovers of pleasure, people are more interested in the gymnastic of what you're saying. And in how much you can rhyme. You see, if you can keep going with the rhyme, and then you deepen your voice and you begin to sound like some bishop that they've respected for the longest, then maybe you will get an ounce of respect also. But let me tell you something, the world that we're in is such that even Christians or people who are supposed to be the elect, they are fooled by the gymnastics. It's all gymnastics, it's all gimmicks, until you show the fruit. You can rhyme from now to Jesus come, if you have no fruit, you and your rhyme perish together. But if you're rhyming and you have the fruits to show for it, fruits first of all of repentance and then fruits of righteousness and holiness unto the Lord, then we can say that you are an example of a believer that we can follow as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so when you say that you're hoping that more of the celebrities will get born again, quote unquote, like this guy, so that the young generation can follow them, then I know that you have completely neglected the oracles of God because Jesus says they will come in my name. He says many of them will even do wonders in my name. He says, but by their fruits, you shall know them. So how can you say that you're born again, but I don't see the fruit of repentance? How do you say that you're born again and all you are showing the world is not the light of God's love, but it is the shining of your wealth and the fame of your celebrity. If that is all you have to show me, I don't care about that because after these things, the Bible says, do the Gentiles seek. What I want to see is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But then if you are still singing on the altars of Satan, shame on you, but not as much on you as on those people who are supposed to know the truth of the word of God. Now, do you see how somebody with the title apostle can actually not be born again? Because I'm telling you, it was about a year ago, Brother George, who's now moved to Alabama, that's why you don't see him much anymore. He said to me, he said some people are debating the concept of eternal salvation, once saved, forever saved. He said, but when I looked at it, a lot of the people that they were talking about, he says they were not even saved in the first place. They changed the religion, but they did not change heart. Look at the rich young ruler. He had been a follower of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. 
Himself he was a Pharisee who had kept the law from his youth. But he saw that Jesus' ministry was not the end thing. Everybody wanted to follow Jesus. And so he just wanted to have a change of church. He wanted to have a change of ministry. But the moment Jesus said to him that if you must follow me, you must sell everything that you have and start all over again. And he was like, no, thank you. See you later. The Bible says he went away sorrowful. And until many people, until we have come to embrace godly sorrow and repentance, we are not born again. You see what I mean? And so until we do that assessment and do an evaluation of ourselves, we can be thinking that we are saved when in fact we are not saved. Religion is so attractive and religion is so close to the real thing. Religion is the closest thing to faith most times. And what is religion? A form of godliness, but it denies the power. And what is the power of God? Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God that can allow you to be reborn, to start all over again. But if in your life there is no change, when you said you got born again, if you did not go from where you were in the world to that bottommost level in the kingdom to start all over again, my dear friends, I want you to come up after service, I want to pray for you. Because let me tell you something, if you were that high in the things of the world and when you got born again, you just continued. What the devil has done is the devil has created for you a false timeline and it's the timeline of deception to make you feel like you are what you are not. Because when you look through scripture, you will find that you are an alien to the things of God. Let me give you an example. Let's read, let's first of all read, actually let's read Acts chapter 8. No, no, I don't want to. Let, before we read Acts chapter 8, let's read Hosea chapter 7, verse 16. The Bible says they return, but not to the Most High. They are like a treacherous bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the cursings of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. The Bible says here that they return, but not to the Lord. What is coming out of their mouth is not blessing. It is cursing because of the abomination of their hearts. Many people who say that they are Christians are not born again. Because there are things you need to look out for to say that you are born again. Now let us read. As that, with that as a background, I want you to come with me to Acts chapter 8. In the book of Acts chapter 8, we saw a man who was supposedly born again, who thought that he was born again. But the Bible revealed eventually that he wasn't. He just accepted another religion simply because he did not want to lose his celebrity status. He did not want to let go of the world. What it means to be born again is to learn how to let go of the things of the world, to accept a new mentality, to accept a new way of thinking, and above all, a new value system. God's value system is the less you have of the world, you, the more you have of the kingdom. But the world's value system teaches us that the more private jets a man has, the more of a man of God he is. I remember once before I told a leader, one of the elders of the church that I was helping to pastor in Ellsbury about how many years ago? 14 years ago. And I told him what was going on in the body of Christ and what the Lord was doing and he was so excited he was so fired up 
And two days later, a guest minister came from London to the small town that we were. So the fact that he came from the city and he was pastoring a church bigger than the one that we were at. And the fact that he had a protocol team that followed him, carrying his Bible, carrying his bag and lacing his shoes as he walked. He felt that guy must be closer to God than I am. And the guy came, the guest minister came and he said the opposite of what I had said to him, which was the opposite of what was in the word of God. And the man looked at me, he was sitting in front, one of the others, he was sitting in front, but I was in the back serving and he looked at me and he quickly looked away. He looked at me again and he looked away. So I knew it was in his heart. So after the meeting, I said to him, I said, why, why did you keep looking at me when the man was saying what you already know to be a lie? He said, you know what? I was looking at you because I was hoping that you were listening because this man of God right here is the one that we need to believe. I said, why so? He said, look at him. He pastors a big church. He has such a following and God is blessing him. He's prosperous. And I'm like, prosperous in what? In money and in material things. So if he says something that is opposite to the word of God, you would rather believe the, the man over the word of God. He says, I am sorry to tell you, brother Moses said, but I do believe the man. And that is it. And I'm like, wow. You believe a man who would only pray for the people who give the offerings that he mentions. So if he says anybody wants to give a thousand pounds, I've got a special prayer for the people giving a thousand pounds. And then if you don't have a thousand pounds, you don't get that prayer. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, I was so excited because I'm like, what we talked about, not only is this man saying the opposite of it, he is practicing that evil. And he was one of those people who got up to go get the blessing that he paid money for. And let me show you where it is in the Bible. Let's go to Acts chapter 8 together. The Bible says here in the book of Acts chapter 8. We'll start reading from verse 9. And it says, but there was a certain... Huh, let me tell you something. I like the word but. You know, it's one of those things when the Bible says, and now or therefore, or but, you need to know what is before it. You see what I mean? So what is before the but? Look, in verse 7, the Bible says, For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. What brought joy? Salvation. Right? The angel says, joy to the world, because what? Salvation has come to the children of men. So what brings joy? Salvation. What is salvation? When you are delivered of evil spirits. Right? And when you are empowered to get up from where Satan has put you to come into the kingdom of the dear son. Some people, they hear the gospel but they don't get up. And those are the lame who are still sitting where they were. If you don't get up and walk into the light, you will remain in the dark. So the Bible now says, but... Even though that has happened, but there was a certain man, verse 9 of Acts chapter 8, called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Does that sound familiar? How do you define celebrities today, the people that astonish you? They astonish you with their political rallies. They astonish you with their music videos. They astonish you with their TikTok and their hundreds of millions of following. They do, do those things which are sorcery. 
Because if it is in sorcery, why does a 16-year-old girl coming to clap her hands like this, like she's doing gymnastics poorly, have over 100 million people following her on TikTok? That is sorcery because none of that makes sense. One day, Joshua said to me, he says, let me show you something. He says, look at the top people on social media. He says that, he says, I've analyzed their videos. He said, none of what they do is right. Number one, that girl should not dress like that at that age and be recording that video in her parents' house without anybody cautioning her. Secondly, this guy is always making jokes about the things of God. He makes jokes about the moral things and everybody celebrates him. He says, I'm not just telling you. He says, I can show you what I'm saying. Then he showed me a video that he made wherein he was teaching people how to get the most out of their operating system. And he had only about six likes and at most 80 views in that region. He says, I had several of them like that. He said, at first I thought maybe I didn't structure my account right. So I parked that account. I created another one and I was putting out more videos that can teach people stuff. And he said, in total, maybe he had about 6,000 views in total of all the views, all the videos that he did. In fact, he says, this one, I spent six hours doing this video. And only 70 or so people stopped by. He said, so I decided to do one thing. He said, I decided to do a foolish video. And he, he said, he calls it the dumb video. He says, I did the dumb video when I was talking slow. I was making mistakes. I was clicking on all the wrong buttons in the game. I was losing points. And he says, he has, at the time he was telling me, Maybe about 300,000. Some very high number. And I said, how, how did... He said, that is exactly what it is. He says, the people who own these platforms are promoting foolishness. Now that is sorcery. When they're doing things that add no value, and yet they seem to be having results. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you see what I mean? And so that is what was going on here. The Bible says that this guy, the Bible did not say he was blessing lives. The Bible did not say that he was adding any value. He was only astonishing people. A lot of the celebrities today do not add any value to our lives. But they just astonish us. You're like, wow, have you seen that guy's new video? Oh my God, he's so sick. Yeah, that video is not what is sick. You are the one. You see what I mean? And sometimes people are like, man, have you heard this thing? Have you seen this guy? And by the time I'm like looking at what they say that is amazing to them and astonishing them, I'm trying to figure what it is. But there is nothing. It's the grasping of the wind. You understand what I mean? It is the grasping of the wind. The Bible says he astonished other people in Samaria claiming that he was someone great. Now, when was the last time you listened to a music artist who is not claiming that they are great? Recently, one of them came up and he says, I want to thank me. I want to appreciate me for all the things that me has done. Yeah, it is all me, 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 because they are continuing the ministry of Satan. I will arise. I will go up. I will become. I. It is always, they always say that they are great. They start their songs mostly by saying, Oh, this is Moses Anderson representing, you know? And it's like, representing who? Representing yourself? They say that they are greater than they are. Oh yeah, the greatest of all time. And that's where the expression, the goat, comes from. You know, everyone is the goat now. Everyone is the greatest of all times. But what they do not know is the nick, another nickname of Satan is the goat. Because, you know, Satan is Baphomet. Satan is Baal. 
And the symbol of these gods is what? The head of a goat. Because we are sheep. And so Satan had to make up his own, take his own animal too. He says, oh, you've taken the sheep. I'm going to take the next best thing. I'm going to take the goat. You understand what I mean? And so, all of these things are not new. They have always been practiced. They say that they are someone great. Verse 10 says, to whom, now listen, it says, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest. So we're not just talking about the 12-year-old boy in middle school who doesn't know his left from his right, but we're talking about the fact that presidents are welcoming them into the palaces. We're talking about the fact that pastors, so-called bishops of our time, are inviting these astonishers, these sorcerers, these celebrities to their platform. Simply because this guy has a huge following, he must be doing something right. And they try to repackage them on Sunday and put a jacket on them. And, and they come out speaking motivational thoughts. I've seen a lot of that lately. Wherein you bring celebrities who are not bearing any, they're not bearing any fruits that is worthy of the name of God. Their movies promote immorality and recklessness and disrespect for adults and a breakdown of order in the society. Many of the children who follow them have ended up in jail. Many of the couples who follow them have ended up being divorced. Many, if I recently I saw a pastor who pastors a church of tens of thousands of people bring a celebrity who is advocating for no marriage. This celebrity man has children, but he has refused to be married. And then you bring him to church on Sunday and you present him to us as an example of a believer. The Bible says those false prophets and teachers, they will be assigned the same place in hell as the angels that fell. But now here is the deal. The reason why we're saying these things is not because we want to condemn. Because our gospel is not to condemn. But our gospel is to shine light so that that which is hidden can be revealed. So that we will not fall for the same sins of the ones who stumbled before us. And if we are the ones who have stumbled, at least now we know why we stumbled and we can get up. And then affliction can be prevented. And so the Bible says that these guys, they astonish everybody. And people give to them a lot of regard from the least to the greatest. Everybody, everybody respects them. When you're a celebrity, oh man, you can go anywhere you want and you can do whatever you want. Everybody wants to take a picture with you. Now the same people, the same Christians who are taking pictures with them. When you ask that Christian what the Bible says about that person's lifestyle. They'll be like, oh man, why are you being so judgmental though? I'm not being judgmental. I'm just, you know, talking, the, speaking the truth of the word of God. It is by their fruits that we'll know them. So what does it mean to be born again? To be somebody who bears fruits of repentance. Who bears fruits of righteousness. If you're not, it doesn't matter how many people regard you. God does not regard you. Jesus said to those people who came to Jesus, I said, Jesus, are you sure you, you don't recognize us? We did miracles in your name. I recently heard about a music group here in the United States of America. I like their songs. I believe those boys and girls are gifted in the things of music. And they recently said, well, we were not going to take the jab, but when they told us that we could not fill or we could not perform at certain stages, we were like, oh, that is too big a stage to miss. So we went to take the job. And I'm like, who are you following? God or money? 
it is the truth let us say it as we as it needs to be said so let us go verse verse 11 says actually let's read verse 9 again I mean, it says um, verse 10 to whom they have all given heed to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest I'm reading from the New King James Bible to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying this man is the great power of God and they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time but when they believed Philip as he preached the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ both men and women were baptized verse 13 is the part of it that no, many people don't talk about when they're talking about Simon the sorcerer how many people let let me ask by show of hands how many people here when you were growing up in Sunday school or children's church as it's called here were told that Simon the sorcerer was a deceiver that he mingled with the children of God just so that he can get the power that's what we were told until one day I was reading this by myself and the Holy Spirit said I should read verse 13 again and what does it say he says then Simon himself also believed and when he was baptized he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs that were done Simon believed now this is where Satan perfects his trickery many of those people truly believe a lot of those celebrities who come out and say oh they're not born again they truly believe not all of them some of them are just like reading out a script written to them written for them by satan to deceive many but there are some of them who actually truly believe and they're ready to be discipled the bible says this guy started to be one of philip's disciples he followed him he did better than the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler believed, but he would not follow. Simon the sorcerer believed, he followed, but then he missed out on the very next step. And until you complete all three, you cannot say that you are born again. Now look at what he says. Well, look at what the Bible says. The Bible says that Simon the sorcerer, he believed. Now this scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit and penned by the hand of Dr. Luke. The Bible says all scripture was given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so it wasn't that Luke was assuming that he was saved. The Holy Spirit says, I can see the heart. And I know that Simon the sorcerer, he believed. He followed. Where did he miss out? Let's read on. Um, verse 14. The Bible says, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Simon was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, he believed. Then they had laid hands on them, then, sorry, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And Simon saw that through the laying on of hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money, saying, give me money. Give me this power so that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Why was he doing that? Because when he was in the world, he was an astonisher. 
he astonished people by means of sorcery. And now that he saw the power of the Holy Spirit, it looked very much like sorcery to him. It's like, wow. Just imagine if I can just show up and go back to that same Samaria and I start laying my hands on people. They would regard me once again from the least to the greatest. The reason why Simon the sorcerer wanted the power was not because he wanted the power to transform his life first of all, but he wanted the power to make him look good. Religion is not about internal transformation, it's about outward recognition. And so if you say that there is a liberty of with a hundred million followers and you truly get born again, I want to first of all see that your heart is changed as opposed to just continuing to see the same people follow you. I don't want to hear that you're born again and while you're still performing on stages with people who curse and swear in the name of God, you are also leading worship. Right? Now let us, let us say this because we have children in this place. Justin Bieber is claiming to be a born again Christian. He's singing with what are those people called? Maverick City. Right? And Maverick City are the ones who openly compromise their faith because of the fact that they were not going to be able to perform at certain stages if they don't bow down to Big Pharma. So now here is the deal. You are still performing on the stages alongside. The Bible says, why seek ye the living among the dead? And what in God's name is the connection between light and darkness? You cannot serve God and mammon. It's either you are for us or you are against us. There is no middle ground. If I am still helping the unbeliever to sell more records and deceive more people, how can I at the same time help the believers to win more souls? It is deception. God doesn't operate that way. He said, if you're going to be with me, you need to first of all come out from among them and be ye separate. The devil is putting out a lot of deception. Does he believe? Maybe he does. But is he willing to let go of the world? Now let me tell you something. About six years ago, my cousin called me, the one who was at the birthday who prayed. He said to me, he says, there are two things. You have light and you have darkness. He says, when you have light, you can't have darkness. When you have darkness, you can't have light. That's what the word of God says. The Bible says the light shines forth in darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. He says, so it's either you are on this side or you are on the other side. There is no middle ground. You see what I mean? So if you are not passionately, convincingly, expressingly for God, then you are for Satan. And if you are for Satan, you cannot be for God at the same time. The Bible says friendship with the world is enmity against God. Oprah Winfrey cannot ask me to come and speak on her TV station. Why should I? No, no, let me say this. Why should I? Now, let me tell you something. I told you that I'll start mentioning people's names because the Bible says by their fruits, we shall know them. Now, tell me what fruits have they born? Oh, somebody says they give to charity. They're very charitable. But how is charity doing good? When your charity is to make you look good, it is not charity. Jesus says you have your reward. Charity.
Prosperity is not the way by which we know. The fruits is how we know. Do these people stand to defend the gospel with their own lives? Or do they compromise every opportunity they get to defend their own pockets? But this is the world that we live in because people are too afraid to say the truth. Because you can't, if they come and say, oh, we want you, we want to interview you. I'll be like, okay, we have to do it live so that you don't get an opportunity to edit. You see what I mean? And you know the reason why they will not come? Because they would have done their due diligence and they would know that I am not a bull that they can mess with because I will speak the truth because I have no hidden agenda. If they look at me, they will see that I have no record of having chased after money because what you have on the inside of you is what the enemy can magnetize. And if they come and they see that I have no greed, they will leave me the heck alone. The reason why they go after some of those pastors and, and so-called evangelists is because those people have a track record of having compromised for money. So they know that, yeah, we can get this one. He has a price. Because all he's been doing lately, he's posting this picture and posting that picture of himself so that he can have people's attention. So he loves the attention. So we're going to give him the attention. And throw a little bit of a, a, throw a little check in there too. While they're at it. And so the moment they give you that and you take it, guess what? You become their slave because whoever pays the piper calls the tunes. Yeah, whoever whoever is paying is the one. If I hire a musician to come and sing at my party, you must sing what I want. You can't come and be singing against me. I will terminate your contract on the spot. But if you didn't hire me and I show up on my own, I can sing whatever I want. Have you not seen recently when somebody was on the, the show with Oprah Winfrey who was supposed to be the pastor of a large church and the lady asked him, so but you must agree that there are many other ways by which people can get to God other than Jesus. And the man was like, oh absolutely, I mean, people can. There are many ways. Don't take my word for it. This is public information. It's on YouTube. There are no many ways. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Oh, yeah, so who is born again? The ones who are born again are the ones who are bearing fruits that are worthy of repentance, who have said no to the world, who are not looking for the things that the world can give. But if you're still doing things because of your celebrity, because you want to astonish people, because you want people to regard you both the least and the great, if that is the reason why you're asking for the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter said to Simon the sorcerer, he says, if that's where you're at, you have no part in this kingdom. I want, to, I want to show it to you. The Bible says, now let me tell you something. <laughs> I, I shared a picture on my, on, my, on my Instagram and Facebook a couple of days ago, which I also copied from somebody, praise God. <laughs> and somebody has copied me from me too, so I feel like this is what we do. Yeah, I saw somebody post from Time Magazine. And the picture on Time Magazine says, last call. Oh yeah, I was the one who posted it first. You posted it later. Yeah. Yeah. So you copied me. And I copied my sister Amber. And who knows who she copied. So, but we're copying in righteousness. It's called borrowed brilliance. But even Time Magazine is telling us the caption says last call. So if we don't preach this gospel today, tomorrow is not guaranteed. So we have been, we have exhausted niceness. 
all the niceness that God gave to us, we have exhausted it. We're not nice anymore. Now, we're going to speak the truth and let the devil be ashamed. The apostles were nice for the first decade of preaching the gospel thereabout. But then after a while, they said, okay, we're not nice anymore. They said to the king that they, they've been picking their words carefully, so they didn't, want, they didn't want to offend the king. After a while, they said, oh, King Agrippa, time up. We are no longer careful to speak to you. Simply because they're like, look, when are we then going to say the things that God has shown to us plainly? The beginning of John's ministry, the Baptist, was calling out what was wrong with the society, but not calling out the people that had given themselves to Satan. And so the people did not repent. And it was like, I need to do this thing a different way. He started to call them out. And they became uncomfortable. And they beheaded him. But it's okay, because nobody could behead him until he had handed over to Jesus. In the race, he was the forerunner. He was the one who had the baton, first of all. And as soon as he gave the baton to Jesus, and Jesus was now moving on, he says, this is the one. I came to be his forerunner. This is the one that is greater than I. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. But then his ministry was done, and then they beheaded him. It's okay. So we are delaying the fulfillment of our destiny if we delay the expression of the truth. Because ain't nobody taking us out until we're done. Let me tell you something. The most dangerous people to fight against are people who are not afraid to die. Are people who have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose because I have gained it all. You understand what I mean? Because to gain the world and lose my soul is the biggest loss. But to have saved my soul by speaking the truth is the biggest gain of all. Because the Bible says at the end of the day, that same world will be given back to me. For blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I want the earth, but I don't want the world. The world is a software that is running upon this earth right now. And it's going to be deleted. And the new software is going to come and it's called heaven. And when that heaven comes down to earth, that is the earth that I want. Nobody wants a computer that has a virus. When you're trying to open Google, it opens Yahoo. You know, that's one of the most disastrous things that can happen if you're looking for Google and you end up on Yahoo. You see what I mean? That's a, that's a disaster. You see what I mean? But that's what's going on in the world today wherein you give this and you get what the devil is giving. I don't want that world. But there are so many people who are not willing to let go of that world because they don't want to take the risk. Because to some people it's a risk to wipe out this operating system. What if you can't load another one? But let me tell you the truth is the other one is not going to be loaded. It was already loaded. The devil put his own dodgy one on top of it. So let's remove that one. It's already guaranteed that there is eternal life. What did Peter say to him in verse 15? Verse, um, my Bible keeps going back to Acts chapter 7. Man, I love Acts chapter 7. I think I've read it so much that my Bible always wants to go back there. And you know the reason why I love Acts chapter 7? Because it's the story of Stephen. That was where Stephen preached the gospel unashamedly. Where he was stoned to death. And while he was about to take his last breath, the heavens opened and the Lord Jesus gave him a standing ovation. That is the only ovation that counts. The entire world can give you a standing, a flipping, a backsliding, a backflipping ovation. But then if the Lord does not give you his ovation, guess what? You will be cast into the lake of fire. You can't sing on stage with blood suckers 
and Satanists and cultists who are ruining the lives of our children and then just change the foam on your microphone, go to the next building and win souls. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom of heaven. It is either you're in or you're out. So let's stop getting fooled by people that Satan is fooling. Because some of these people themselves have been deceived by Satan. I will not pay for you, but I will pray for you. But you have many believers paying for them. May God help us to turn our backs on the astonishers and submit ourselves as dear children to the Holy Spirit in godly humility. Let me tell you something. In this world today, if they can get celebrities to say it, everybody believes it. Almost everybody believes it. Simply because we have come to accept them more than we accept God. We have come to accept them more than we accept God. The head of the largest Christian denomination in all of Africa, the redeemed Christian church of God, like I told you, the gloves are off. This was a man that we respected for many years and for many generations. We thank God for him, for the general that we considered him to be. But recently, he said, oh, for the sake of the gospel, if anybody wants him to take the jab, he will take the jab so that he doesn't, so that nothing stops him from getting on the plane to go and preach the gospel. But the last time I checked, the only places where he goes to are his churches where everybody's supposed to already be born again. So, are you preaching the gospel or you're visiting your money makers and your money changers? And now you say that because of that, and now this person is a celebrity respected by millions of people. Why would the devil take that approach? Because if the devil can get that man to speak, the, to speak a lie, many would take it for the truth because people have come to regard that man more than God. I say to you, if you're listening to me and if your goons are as well, repent while you can because this is the last call. Yes. The window of the ark is about to be shut and the doors thereof. And if you don't come in now, you won't be able to come in later. I don't care how many private jests that you have had. The Bible says that the rich man's wealth is the ransom for his soul. I told my brother and my mom, I, I was telling my mom, I said the reason why these people were got by Satan was because they started out as believers and they followed the examples of the, of the apostles, just like Simon the sorcerer. I said, but after a while, Satan sent people to their church who brought them fat offerings, who gave them Lamborghinis and limousines. And because of the fact that they don't want to lose what those people are bringing, they started to listen to what those people are saying even though it wasn't what the Lord was saying the Bible says remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth because wealth that is healed gotten will develop wings and fly away and the reason why these people are not ready to let go of the lie of Satan is because Satan is telling them if you bust my bubble I will take your money because I gave it to you and that is why the rich man's wealth is a ransom for his soul let me give you an example if you live in a $5 million house and you have a butler, you have two swimming pools, one indoor, two outside, right? And, and you have a little business down the road that pays for your expenses. And the Lord says to you, I want you to leave every one of those things behind and move to California and become a street evangelist. <laughs> you will say, God, <laughs> I think you got the wrong guy today. I mean, you're pretty accurate all the time, but this time around, you couldn't be talking about me. Because I mean, you gave this thing to me. You don't want me to walk away from it. I'm looking forward to the time wherein we're going to have men like Job who says the Lord gives 
and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But let me tell you something. If you are sharing a bed in a room with your friend who is sharing a room in a house that belongs to your enemy. If you're sharing a bed in a room that belongs to a friend who is sharing the room in a house that belongs to your enemy. So let me put it this way. You have a friend who's been kind enough to let you come and sleep on his bed. Himself is so broke, he's only renting a room in somebody's house. And the person who owns the house does not like you people. Makes your life difficult. Locks you out half the time. If you come home after 10 o'clock, they change the lock and you sleep outside. Because he's the landlord. If your life is that inconvenient, and the Lord says to you, I want you to come out of that situation and go to California. People like me, how is that even any different to what I'm doing now? You see what I mean? Because there's not much weighing you down, you'd be more willing to go. The rich man's wealth is the ransom for his soul. His soul struggles to obey God because of the enormity of the wealth. But the man who doesn't have wealth is easier to get up and just say, where are we going again? Because he has nothing to lose. And so this is what I tell people. If you want to prepare your heart to obey when the Lord comes, start lighting the load. The Lord said to me this morning, he said to me, he said, I want you to tell your brothers and sisters that I need them to be hydroscopic. Hydroscopy, that big word, represents a term in science that describes the nature of substances to be able to absorb enough moisture from the space around them without becoming washed away by the water. Let me explain that in another way. If you take granulated sugar, which is sugar in powdered form, and you put it outside on a very humid day, that dry sugar will absorb moisture, but it will still stay on the spoon where you put it. It's going to be puffed up, it's going to loosen up, it's going to soften up, it will absorb, absorb moisture, but it will not become water. That is where the word hydroscopy comes from. Hydro is water, scope means extent. So it takes in water to the extent that it can manage. But some of us, we take in the water of the conveniences of the world and we allow ourselves to just keep taking the conveniences and the pleasure of the world to the point wherein we become the world ourselves and we flow like water. And we're lost at sea. As believers, we need to know how to absorb the conveniences in the world. How to be able to do business and make profit. How to be able to socialize without looking awkward. How to be able to make friends without becoming a slave to them. When Jesus says, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. I'm sending you into the world. Be as cunning as a serpent while you remain as gentle as a, as a, as a dove or as a sheep. But many of us, because the children of this world are cunning, like Jesus said, we become cunning as a serpent and we bite like one. We'll go to do business in the world and because we're so accustomed to making profit, we lose ourselves in profiteering or to profiteering. We are supposed to be able to stay in the world and take in what we need without losing the essence of our souls. That is what it means to be hydroscopic. You can take in what you need, but you don't allow what you are taking in to replace what you have in. 
But see what has happened to the church of God today. We enjoy a little bit of friendship with the world and then we become the world. Every single one of us, we need to know how to exist in this world such that if the world takes away its moisture, you can be yourself again and you're fine. When the world takes away the convenience, you can say, you know what? Yeah, you didn't have a hold of me in the first place. I was just enjoying what you had to offer. You take it. I'm doing good, but I'm not going to let you take me. You, you see what I mean? Because if you don't learn to be hydroscopic like that, which is to receive without being taken, then guess what's going to happen? When the time comes for you to be taken by the Lord, nothing is going to weigh you down. Begin to practice by not crying the next time you lose a little money. Let me tell you what happened to me recently. I invested in a financial instrument, right? And I've been watching it and I'm like, this thing is about to mature. This thing is about to become, is about to go up. And the Lord said to me, he said, this thing is about to go up. And he told me by what percentage it would go up. He says, and I want you to dump it. I'm like, did you just say it's about to go up? And you want me to dump it? I'm about to make money. And you're saying, and you said, so I said, okay, I know that I heard you, but please explain yourself. <laughs> You see what I mean? Because God is happy to explain himself. He says, come and let us reason together. If your sin be as red as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. God is always happy to explain himself. He just doesn't want you to question his command. So it's not like God says to do this and you're like, I'm not going to do this. You know, say, I will do it. But please give me some more explanation. Just help me out a little bit. You see what I mean? So I'm like, what is going on? He said, because by the time he hits that price point, not only are you bought into it, you will be given to it. He says, and I don't want you to take you over. So I want you to let it go. I didn't tell anybody, especially my wife. Because if I told my wife that that was what I was doing, she asked me, are you sure you heard God? <laughs> yeah. So I didn't tell anybody. I just, I just let go of it. And I was watching. And I kept quiet. And the thing kept going up. Within 24 hours, he went to where God said he would get to. And so I went to God. I said, so you see how much money I could have made? And this is on you. And then the next day, it went up even higher. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. I, don't, I, I knew I heard God, but I don't think I like what I'm hearing. And within a week, the Lord came to me and he said to me, he says, now take that money and invest it here. And in two days, it doubled. When I say two days, I'm not talking about two biblical days or two computer days. I'm talking about two real days, like in 48 hours. I said to my wife, I said, look, if you don't believe before, it pays to obey God. The morale of the story is this. Many of us, were looking at the things that we can get out of the world and it deprives us of what God has for us. No matter how good the world has it for you, it is never good because it is the world. Unless God gives it to you. You understand what I mean? Unless God gives it to you. So this is where Paul... I mean, Simon the sorcerer, this is where he missed it. He had an opportunity to receive the power of the Holy Spirit without a material expectation. But because of his material addiction, he abused the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 17, in verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles, through the laying on of hands, uh, what am I reading? That through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money saying, give me this power also 
that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray if perhaps God. If, and pray. And pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Verse 23. He says, for I see that you are poisoned by the bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and says, pray to the Lord for me. That none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. And lastly, he says, so when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages and uh, many villages of the Samaritans. Verse 23 is exactly the punchline. The Bible says, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Many people who believe, who are supposed to be truly born again, have been poisoned by the world. And that poison, the enemy does it such that he poisons people by all kinds of evil desires that make them paralyzed. And that's why the definition of salvation in this context, context is deliverance from evil spirits and healing from being lame from being crippled the entire story of simon the bible says but a man which is to explain to us what could happen to people who are still poisoned by the world and burdened by the iniquity the iniquity of the world weighs you down and the spirits of greed and the spirits of excessive pleasures also known as lust possesses the hearts of people and denies them the joy of salvation that was what simon the sorcerer was suffering from so how do we then explain to people what it means to be born again what it means to be born again means to be willing to start as a child again when you have nothing in your name you begin as a child again when you're ready to obey and to commit yourself to the mercy of god a child does not go to work so that he can eat a child trusts that the parents will bring food so as a believer, you're only born again when you're willing to say no to your celebrity status and know that God will take care of you. Someone says, but man, if you're already a celebrity and many people look up to you and you have such a platform, why can't you use that platform in his name? The question is this, why do I need a tool that Satan has given to do the will of God? Can God not give me his own tool for his own work? Because if we are saying that we can use those things because we already have them, we are saying that we need Satan to help us to do the work of God. But if God is the one calling you, you don't need the armor of Saul. You don't need the chariots of Egypt. Neither do you need the spear of the Philistines. You need the name of God. The Bible says many trust in horses and chariots, but David says I will trust in the Lord. For those who trust in chariots shall be crushed by the same chariots. But those of us who live by the name of God, we will be as the pillars of his temple forever and ever. So why would we not seize this opportunity as the last call has been made? To say, you know what? I want to be truly born again. I want to examine my life. I want to go back to the, what, the time when I was 16 or 17 years old. Wherein I thought I was born again because I was appointed to be the vice president of our teenage ministry. Oh, I was elected to be one of the leaders in youth fellowship. And because I, I started driving and others were not, I was the one who was asked to pick up the children. And so because of that, I had to be at every meeting. And they gave me a title at church. That was what it meant to me to be born again. You were not born again if that is all the experience you had 
that defines your faith and your relationship with God. If you've not had that moment when you had to let go of friends, when you had to let go of people, of places, of things, if there was no letting go, there is no genuine transformation. And if there's no genuine transformation, there is no transition. And when there is no transition, guess what? There is no true salvation. And that was why Jesus said to Nico, he said to Nicodemus, he says, you, even you, with all your learning, with all your good behavior and your good morals, you have to be born again. You have to be a child again, ready to be led, ready to listen, ready to not let anything astonish you. You know that children, if you park, well, in the past, even up to about the age of 10, children didn't care whether you're driving a Lamborghini or you're driving, what are those cars that are less than Lamborghinis? Okay, like the one you're driving, like a Honda Accord from years ago. You see, children don't care. No, 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 it's a missionary. Missionaries sometimes have to be humble, right? It's a great car, yeah? At least it gets you from here to there. Or like me who has no car at the moment. You're even better off. But here is the deal. Children don't really care for those things. It's when we become adults and we're poisoned by the world that we start to believe in certain things over the other because of the fact that it will astonish people. Because we want to be regarded. We want the accolades of men. We don't want to give up the world. Even if you think you have given up the world, it is an exercise that you need to do continually. Every one of us need to continually look at our lives and see the things that we're holding on to that will make us cry if anybody takes it away from us. The things that we lose our sleep over, the things that wake you up in the middle of the night and you quickly wake up and check your phone if your balance is still the same. We need to learn how to be able to let go. Even if it seems like a loss, know that nothing in this life that you lose is a loss while you still have God. Because the Bible says in name all things consist. We need to start to learn these things and practice these things and preach these things so that when those people wake up and come to us and they're still rubbing their eyes as they're waking up from sleep, they will catch us singing this song. They will ask us telling on Satan. They will find us rather telling on Satan and exposing the deception in the world and hear that the song that we're singing in the tent of the righteous is a song that says Jesus is Lord. That our hearts are for the cross and our back is turned to the world. We want them to find us singing this song that it doesn't matter what anybody gives to us in the world. They can take it away from us as long as we're not letting them tamper with the salvation of our souls. It is time for us and it benefits us too. Because if we learn how to divorce ourselves from the things of the world, if we learn how to absorb just enough without dissolving completely and be liquidated in the world, guess what happens when the world comes and forces us to let go? We have nothing to lose. Oh yeah, when the tribulation comes, you will not be in trouble simply because the things that are being shaken up are not inside of you. The Bible says that Satan, the prince of this world, he came to Jesus and found nothing in him. If Satan does not find greed in you, there's no way he can tempt you with money. If he doesn't find lust in you, there's no way he can tempt you with pleasure. If he doesn't find pride in you, there's no way he's going to test, test you with unforgiveness. You understand what I mean? But these are the things that we harbor because we're still holding on to them. They are the poison of the world. You need to detox yourself. Is part of your being born again. You need to be a child again whose system is fresh and void of the poison.
Thank you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house. That's www.communion.house. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.